You're listening to Design Atlas Season 3. Mission patches. Such small visual elements on astronauts' spacesuits. But have you ever thought about how these mission patches were conceptualized, designed, and created? Hi. I'm Jens Springsjord. And I'm Megan Lutke. And in today's episode, we will meet with Sarah Poletti, a former information designer and science graphics editor for the European Space Agency, or ESA as the acronym is known. So what is a mission patch? Mission patches are emblems designed and worn by astronauts and people affiliated with a mission to outer space. The patches depict an image associated with the mission and it generally lists the names of the crew. ESA developed their first mission patch with the Soyuz 28 mission back in 1978. Mission patches have been worn by NASA astronauts since 1965. I think this is the idea of being an information designer. It's just so great to be able to, to be capable of just making things easier for people to understand. And I think it's great, it feels very good. So, without further ado, let's dive into Sarah's story and learn all about being creative within the European Space Agency. Having grown up in France, Sarah's story begins with her passions of studying art and design in Amsterdam at the university called the Garrett Ritfeld Academy. I really wanted to go there and then just to yeah, see something else, what's happening in other country, actually. And I did two years there, just amazing. Such a different way of uh, teaching graphic design and uh, then France, actually. And also this country, the Netherlands, is just, for me, it was pretty amazing because even walking in the streets, I was just amazed by like a simple uh, commercial on the, you know, on the wall or uh, like commercial of, I don't know what, you know, like from um, a supermarket uh, next door, you know, I was like, wow, this is actually well done, nice color, nice way of uh, putting the text and these kind of things, nice font. Uh, in France, we didn't have these kind of things. For me, this is just like, there is like a big gap between uh, France and the Netherlands. And we are really close to each other, so it's very weird. I'm here already in the Netherlands for now 13 years. Uh, I was planned to stay just two years and actually <laughs> I've stayed. So I think I will stay forever. Finished my study, I did a bit of freelance. I found a job in a company in Amsterdam for a graphic designer very difficult to find actually uh, the first job I thought it was just like one of my biggest challenge I think in my career when you uh, leave school to just find your first job after working some time as a designer A friend of Sarah's contacted her about a job opportunity for a graphic designer position at the European Space Agency. They didn't say too much. They were like more a graphic designer, but also can do animation and 3D animation. It was just like so big. And I was like, yeah, I was reading it. I was like, what do they want actually? Well, anyway, I'm going to apply. So for one week, I just worked on it. I was so motivated, very weird, because I was never attracted to space or science or stuff like this. Absolutely not my uh, my thing. But I don't know why, I was so motivated. And then I just made like such a, a cool animation, like a small animation with me as a puppet who's trying to um, to show who I am and uh, my experience and everything. So I worked a lot on it, sent it to them, uh, got my first interview, uh, pretty cool, pretty scary also because all scientists, like really space geek in front of me. I was alone there and there was like five people guys only guys 
they're like this, you know, and they're like, mm, okay, so uh, what do you think about uh, the universe? Or this kind of really weird question. Even now, I think I would just not be able to reply to that, you know, I was like, fine. I think they just noticed from um, my experience and uh, in space. And then uh, what I had to say that actually I was the perfect fit, I think, because they wanted somebody who can just talk to general public. Somebody who actually like everybody, you know, walking on the street, have no clue about space, are not really interested. And then I think they just wanted to have somebody who can just translate complex things for everybody to understand. And I think it was just uh, pretty good, actually, that um, they chose like me because I was really like somebody who had no clue about space. I also didn't really have, uh, yeah, I mean, at this time, I remember I was even not sure what planet Well, the, the order of the planets, you know, so there was the sun and after which planet, you know, I was just like really lost. I mean, it's, but yeah, I mean, you, you're working for the European Space Agency, you know, this is just like, whoa, okay, what's going to happen, you know, for me? Oh. After accepting the position at the European Space Agency, Sarah arrived at her new workplace two months later. I'm a contractor, so I'm not like working for ESA. I'm working for a company outside of ESA, which is a ATG, it's the name of the company. And they're actually recruiting me and putting me on site at ESA. So I'm actually part of another company. So the company did like three interviews with me already to just like uh, be sure that uh, I would be the candidate that they would present at ESA. Uh, and then when the interview with these people at ESA arrived, then yeah, there was just one. And then um, they had like, I think two choices, like two or three people came for the interview and they chose me. Sarah began her work in the science department, which is trying to communicate everything about science missions. At the European Space Agency, they call it the Solar Systems Explorer or the Cosmic Observer Team. When I arrived there, they were completely um, in this mission, uh, Rosetta. I don't know if you heard about it. It's like the first mission that uh, where we just put the lander on the comet. So nobody did that before. So, um, so that was like uh, everywhere. Everybody was talking. Everybody was talking about it. And I also noticed me with my uh, with the people that I know around me were absolutely not space geek. When I was talking about mission, you know, other mission, they were like, "Whoa, well, who is that?" But when you talk about Rosetta, it was just like, "Oh wow, yeah, Rosetta, I read it in the newspaper, or yeah, it was on the news yesterday." So it was like, yeah, really a big thing. So I arrived there in the communication team as a graphic designer completely into this Rosetta mission. The European Space Agency currently has about 10 graphic designers within various teams throughout the organization. We are, um, in ESTEC, we are uh, three uh, graphic designers. I am at the science department, so I'm actually responsible for the science mission. I'm the only one there. Um, there is another graphic designer who are working at the human and robotic exploration. Uh, so she's the one actually who usually doing all the patches and uh, working with the astronauts. And uh, there is a third one, which is uh, she's working for the education department. Pretty cool also. Um, so each department actually uh, have like, yeah, um, a daily graphic designer with them to, uh, to just do the translation in infographic, graphic, illustration and stuff like this. So how does a designer working in the European Space Agency take all the challenging scientific information and create enticing visuals for the general public to understand? So sometimes you're just looking at 
atoms or things which are really complex for me, at least because I'm, I don't have this background. So are very complex or like gravitational waves or this kind of thing, you know, that's just like, what is that actually? So I do a lot of research on internet. So I'm just trying to understand uh, what is what. And I know that a lot of my colleagues, they're just sometimes very upset with me about that because I don't like it. I don't like to read text. So I'm trying to actually do uh, images <laughs> instead of just trying to find like on Wikipedia or stuff. So I'm usually Googling it and put images. And then I look at uh, what graphic is already there, how uh, it's possible also to see sometimes animation that I found the best actually, because then it's short animation can explain you like a really uh, cool stuff in a very short amount of time. Uh, it's a bit like everybody actually. I don't want to spend like more than five minutes looking for something. It's terrible. It's terrible, but we are all like this. And this is also our problem as graphic designer because we have to make sure that people are getting uh, engaged with our product in less than like what, 10 seconds sometimes, you know, depending if they are focused or not focused. Well, I'm exactly the same. So I'm just going on social media, following people who are doing the same usually. On Twitter also, I'm following a lot of people doing like a graphic designer uh, being um, in all this uh, science field also. And there's a lot actually, there's really a lot. I'm getting inspired by that. And uh, that is one, so internet. I love to go to conferences also, conferences so with the pandemic. It was still going on and it's perfect because you can also go to a conferences in the States, you know, while you are in Europe. I loved it, it was perfect. Everything was accessible. So um, it's cool. Huh? So I'm following that a lot. Also, um, uh, people just yeah showing what they do, how they work, um, and uh, that's that's helping. Actually, that's helping. But whatever you're doing as a graphic designer, I mean, if you just don't look around and you don't look outside, you know, of your own uh, area, then you kind of yeah you just staying with your own idea, with your own style, and you can't just really be challenged. So yeah, that needs to be done. And Sarah certainly has her fair share of challenges during the workday at the European Space Agency. Not only does she try to communicate important scientific data and information to the general organization, but she also must use that same visual medium to communicate everything worth sharing to the general public, like you and me. This is actually one. So how to just be able to reach people who know very well about the subject. So really the scientist, you know, who knows about the mission, who knows about gravitational waves and these kind of things, you know, but also the people in the street who just have no clue about these kind of things, you know? So how can you just reach both of them, you know? So I was just, yeah, I was very, very intrigued by it and then trying a lot of different things. So um, my idea, and I did quite some product like this is to just really try to do interactive products so or an interactive infographics which I tried a couple of times on uh, some article where you actually have layers so you just have the first layer which is like basic infographic giving you like um, the basic information on the mission and the results so everybody can just read that and then more you click and then you interact with the infographic, then you go deeper and you have a bit more information. So that was something that I really wanted to do because I have this problem at work where sometimes I don't want to have any problem with the scientists, if I may say, because sometimes I think that is kind of vulgarization, you know, it's like, yeah, well, I just work years on this one and it's not just this, you know, it's not just with the drawing that you kind of just make things happen. No, it's more, it's really like, a, you have to explain more, you have to talk about this and this. Like, yeah, but if you 
go more, you're going to lose like everybody, all the general public that we want to attract and to engage, they're just lost, you know, so you have to really, it's a compromise. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes I find it very challenging. What's happening is that you have a talk with the scientists usually. So we just set up like a small interview where I'm asking my questions, um, trying to draft a bit uh, with them what I think it's going to be, it's going to look like. I do my draft on my computer, send the first, uh, the first draft to them. They come back with feedback. Uh, and then it can go like to maybe three to four, sometimes five drafts, again, depending with whom you're working with. But uh, I can, yeah, sometimes like in one week, it's the infographic is finished. Sometimes it's more than an infographic because, I mean, this is one product, but sometimes I do like launch kits, for example, which there is like 10 to 15 infographic in it. It's never really, I never had like really like a well, last moment, tomorrow something happened, you know, in space, we really have to work crazy on it. It's just like space is kind of predictable in a way because you can just say, okay, we just send this mission. Okay, in a few years it's going to arrive to destination because we know, you know, and then um, we had like uh, last week, I work on a very cool, uh, very cool uh, article, actually like very cool um, news. It was like one of our... Um, mission it's uh, called integral i don't know if you know it it's like a mission detecting some of the most energetic radiation uh, in space coming from space so also like very um, difficult uh, mission you know like well like very difficult to understand all these things but what happened is that we actually lost uh, control of the mission and we almost lost the the spacecraft so it was really coming very close to the radiation bell belt and then there was like um there's like this kind of wheels we're just taking all the energy from the radiation and then this wheel stopped completely and all the energy went to the spacecraft and the spacecraft started to turn like really crazy tumble everywhere and then the problem is that it just cost a lot of energy to the spacecraft and then there was no energy anymore so you know and you can't just control the spacecraft to face the sun to just get some energy no you just like screw then you have just three hours to just save the mission so again, there are no, no, no picture, you know, just a lot of stress. And then they succeeded at the end, so it's a happy story. And then uh, it was like, okay, we have to explain that, you know, because it's kind of uh, cool that also we just succeeded too. And then what happened there, you know? So then also made an infographic explaining this. And this is also supporting a bit like uh, what can happen, you know, in space with our spacecraft admission. Earlier, we mentioned that Sarah has worked on a few different mission patch designs directly with the astronauts that the European Space Agency send up into space. And while these mission patches look like simple representations of graphic design, there is so much more that goes into the design, the colors, and the meaning behind the creation of the patch. The, the mission patch that I, that I did for the astronaut, that's also completely different because it took me, for example, with Thomas Pesquet, the French astronaut, it took me maybe two months to just have like a final uh, result, which is actually very short, apparently. So usually it's my uh, um, colleague, which is actually working at uh, the HRE uh, department, so with the astronaut and the mission patch. And then uh, she was gone for a while, and then I was able to work on these two uh, mission patch, because it's not my department, but uh, so I was very lucky. So I was very lucky there. Uh, very happy that she also uh, let me uh, work on that. I started with the patch of Thomas, and Thomas is the French. It's a French astronaut, you know. Okay, he's European. He's working uh, as an astronaut at the European Space Agency, but 
is kind of French, and I was French. And the first mission, I remember Proxima uh, in France, everybody was talking about him, just like a celebrity, you know? So I was like, wow, I'm gonna work for uh, Thomas Pesquet. Uh, wow, that's something, you know? I was very happy about it. Yeah, I was also like, you know, like everybody like, wow, I'm gonna work with an astronaut. Wow, quite crazy. And then at the end, I'm like, yeah, actually, you know, it's like, okay, he's going to space, but he's like very, very normal person, you know, very normal. You know, I was just like the first time that we talk, uh, we had like a Skype, uh, a Skype talk. And I was like feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to an astronaut. Oh, yeah. And then we start talking and I was like, wow, well, he's kind of normal guy, actually. Very human, very human. And then uh, we talk, we, uh, we had fun. I also noticed that he was, um, very interested in design actually he had like very good uh, feeling about it very good and uh, i like that a lot because i was not just um i was not just explaining things it was more like a conversation with two professional in a way so i really like that very respectful uh my expertise and my work so that's also very nice um and then we just started he had already a very clear idea because he went already uh the first time um for his mission proximized that also half a year there and then uh, i don't know if you know but he took a lot of pictures of the planet and a lot of uh, astronauts they have this feeling of they see actually the planet from another point of view obviously but they realize actually how fragile it is so a lot of them they have this feeling when they come back and uh, for him, it was very important that he puts, um, so he's very concerned about, yeah, how, how can we just make sure that we don't, that we respect our planet, that we don't destroy it, and then uh, to also feel how fragile it is. So um, there's like, a, I don't know if you know the patch of tomate escape, I have it here. So you have like this, uh, this color here, these 17 colors around the patch and this is actually the 17 uh, sustainable development goals so i don't know if you know it's there's like no poverty zero hunger all these kind of things there's like 17 and for him it was very important that these 17 uh colors so that has a color code actually are just part of his patch to just yeah okay guys there is like these goals that we have to just keep thinking all the time to just make sure that we keep in mind that our planet is fragile and then we have to make sure that, uh, yeah, we respect it. So that was one. And then we worked a lot on the, the fact that the mission was called Alpha. So um, he wanted to have like this Greek letter at the beginning. So I did a lot of um, draft with this Greek letter, the Alpha letter on it. And then, uh, and then after it was like, yeah, there was a lot of things also going on over, around the fact that he's the first astronaut. He was the first astronaut flying to the, um, to the ISS with SpaceX because uh, before it was with Soyuz. So now it was just like a uh, crew two. So, I mean, it was like the second crew going, uh, going there so it was just pretty big um so that's why we just actually represented like the, the falcon and the dragon and then to make like this launch very uh, very important there's also like these um stars that we can see and uh, there's 10 stars and 10 stars represent the 10 french astronauts going to space so let me give you just a little bit of background on who these incredible astronauts are that Sarah designed mission patches for. Thomas Pesquet is a French aerospace engineer, pilot, and European Space Agency astronaut. He was selected by ESA as an astronaut candidate in May 2009. 
From November 2016 to June 2017, Pesquet was part of Expedition 50 and Expedition 51 as a flight engineer. His mission, Proxima, where he became the 10th French citizen to go to space and the first French astronaut to live on the ISS. In April 2021, for his Alpha mission, he became the first European astronaut to launch on board an American commercial crew vehicle, the SpaceX Crew Dragon. For a second six-month stay on the ISS for Expedition 65 and Expedition 66, in which he became the third ESA astronaut and first French astronaut to command the ISS. And that's kind of a big deal. Thomas Pesquet returned to Earth in November 2021, shortly after we interviewed Sarah. She's also designed a mission patch for Matthias Maurer, a German-European Space Agency astronaut and material scientist, who was selected in 2015 to become the 11th German astronaut. He was actually a backup crew member for Thomas Pesquet on SpaceX Crew 2, and was later officially assigned to SpaceX Crew 3 for his Cosmic Kiss mission during Expedition 66 and Expedition 67. This means that while Thomas was returning to Earth, Matthias was heading up to space for the very first time, and Sarah was witnessing her second mission patch launch into space. But an astronaut doesn't just wear one mission patch. What did they all mean? There is a lot of story around around the patches also because the space patches are just like uh, pff, I, when I when I just started on that, I had no clue about these kind of things and I was completely lost. And when you look at an astronaut, also you can just see all these patches around them. You know, they're covered with patches, and you're like, what is that? And what is that? So I was like, okay. So um, actually, for him and for uh, Matthias also. They're going to have in their mission like four patches in total. Um, you have one that you probably know also is that the, so you, there's also always one patch, which is like from the vehicle who's bringing them to space. And uh, so that can be so used. It was for Thomas or Proxima, but now, yeah, it's like uh, the Dragon um, patch. And then uh, if you go to space without going to the ISS, this is the only one that you have. Uh, if you go to the ISS, so if you dock to the ISS and then you're just starting there your mission, then you're part of an expedition. And then it's the um, ISS expedition. Um, so usually they kind of change expedition in the middle of their stay. So if they stay six months, they have like, you know, two different expeditions. So Thomas and Matthias are going to have two expeditions. And then you have the ISA mission patch. Uh, so the one that I designed, and this one uh, is like from the European Space Agency and it's completely personal. So it's for just individual astronauts. It's for their mission. Uh, you know, I think, Megan, because you also work for uh, uh, for this patch for Alexander. But uh, it's very like personal for them. You know, it's their mission. It's, um, they want to represent what they really feel about so being an astronaut, going to the ISS. So this is not something where they just, at least from my experience with these two astronauts, it was not something that was like a bit, you know, okay, let's just do that, whatever. It's just going to be a simple patch, you know. No, it's just like, well, it's going to be the, the visual representation of their mission. So something that they're going to follow for like even more than six months because they prepare the mission before they go to mission and after they come back. So yeah, very personal. They are very, very involved in, uh, in the process. Mission patches at ESA are incredibly personal to the astronaut. 
It represents their hard work and dedication to this mission, and it's something that European astronauts take pride in. In our conversation with NASA astronaut Nicole Stott, we also had a chance to talk about it. Here's what she had to say. You know, and ESA has always been really, really creative in the way that they've, you know, um, whether it's through their patch designs, you know, you look at the, the space station crew members now and you had, you know, there's the, the greater mission of the crew as a whole and the space station program. And then the fact that each of those crew members can go, can like really think about how, how, how can I like personally be involved in, in a mission that I can share in a, in a creative, unique way. Um, and it's gonna involve all of the stuff that's going on otherwise on the station, but just the presentation of it and the personalizing of it and allowing like, like people like you and anybody else who follows along with it to establish their own relationship with it and maybe find something they wouldn't have been interested in before. I, I think it's, all, it's awesome. As a designer, seeing your design come to life, whether that's holding a final printed version, visiting your live website for the first time, or no matter what it is, our designer brains send out some serotonin and we feel a sense of pride and euphoria while witnessing our hard work come to life. But not many designers in this world can say that they were able to see their hard work go to space. Yeah, I think the best thing still is pretty cool to be able to actually see the patch itself because this is so because the design is something, you know, and then you have it, but all the um, the follow-up after when you have to actually create this piece, this object, it's also very interesting because you have all this story about how you have to stitch the patch. So do you go diagonal? Do you, yeah, do you go horizontal? Do you go vertical? Is it going? So I had a lot of trouble with the clouds, for example, because how do you make it a bit, um, yeah, that you can really see that they are, yeah, that they are cloud and then how to make it the name a bit thicker also. We have to stitch it two or three times to make it the volume a bit of the name a bit yeah, stronger. Um, the color, I mean, this nightmare, you see all the colors that there is on this patch. So you're like, well, is it really the same as on my screen? Oh, so it's just, it's also a huge work. And that's why I think it's great to have them all because all of them, they have their, different touch in uh, in how they are made. So it's the same as the Pantone that you have, you know, when you just do some uh, prints. Now we have like also a catalog with all the different color that the supplier is having. So you already before checking, okay, this one might be good, you know, but you never really know how it's coming with the lights and everything. So it's sometimes like, well, it's definitely not this blue that I want, it's like more dark or, so yeah, we just do it like this also, but yes, usually there is not like, so we never did like a patch uh, in the history of Europe and patch with so many colors. So that was a bit like, whoa, okay, that's gonna be tricky. Also, because I think the machine that they're using, you can maybe put just, I don't know how many colors, but you know, you have to, so you mean like you have to put the colors and then you have to go once and then change the colors. So I think there is something like this also. In total, I think we had four, four samples. Uh, the first one was definitely uh, so different than the last one, you know, even though it's the same design. But just to tell you how it, how crazy it can be, just you're just like, okay, after I made the design, everything is just going to go smooth, you know. But actually, it's not. It's not a print. It's not print. Uh, and even a print, you know, sometimes you have because we did the stickers also. And then, yeah, the color are also not the same there. Doesn't it sound exciting to be a creative in the space industry? 
Both Megan and myself think so, at least. While it might feel like it's difficult to find a creative job in such a tech and science-driven organization, Sarah assures us there are many options out there for future employment if working for the space industry is your dream. For Europe, at least, uh, there is also a lot of uh, the country agencies, so space agencies. So, for example, in France, we have the CNES, but yeah, you have to speak French. Uh, you have also a DLR for Germany. Um, so there's a lot of different in each country. You have also like a, a space agency. There's also the Canadian uh, space agency, which is also quite, quite important. JAXA, if you want to go to Japan. So there's anyway, there, again, I think you have to, uh, to talk the language uh, from the country. But, uh, but yeah, there's a, quite a lot of places. There's not just NASA or just not ESA. SpaceX also, you can just go. Uh, I mean, they are just doing such an amazing job also. Uh, just like you look at the website, you look at all the graphics. So well, like the design is just so there, you know, it's so important. It's just like, wow, okay. So there, I'm sure they have like also a big, uh, a pretty big team. To take something complex and to simplify for the masses to understand is a true talent and gift, one which Sarah certainly has. In every field, you know, it doesn't have to be space on everything, but there's like a lot of complex field where they would need to have like a full-time graphic designer with them to just uh, be able to actually put into graphic and illustration complex things for everybody to understand. So it doesn't have to be, I mean, and you don't have to also be interested in space if you don't want to be interested in space, but you can, you can be a bit open-minded and then understand that, I don't know, there's like going to be a mission going to a, a comet and then maybe extract some things from the comet. And then from that, we're going to know how our solar system was just built, these kind of things, you know, it's kind of, it's easy question. It's easy to be interested in that. It's not like, you know, I mean, it's not the end of the world if you are not because, hey, and what, you know, I mean, we're still like uh, on planet Earth living our life, you know, space is so far. But still, it's just like very interesting questions. Interested on that or not, that's, yeah, that is just your own uh, decision. But I think this is nice to just to show, yeah, to attract, like, like to just, just very simply to just say, hey, but this is here. And uh, maybe you'll be interested because it's actually quite interesting, but just not like with heavy text or heavy things that people are just plots, you know, or stuff that people are like, whoa, no, this is way too complex. It's not just not touching me. You have to make sure that actually it touched everybody. It's just like, oh yeah, but it's too complex, science anyway. They're just going to talk about things that's just really not talking to me. It's not my domain of expertise. I was bad in science, so all these kind of things that I was saying before. That, you know, it's, we shouldn't hear that. We should just create material where people are like, wow, actually pretty cool. It's just going to be like, I don't know, like a mission is going to uh, see the moon of Jupiter. Oh, pray the moon of Jupiter has moon. I didn't know that. Oh, let's just look at it, you know? Yeah, this kind of communication way of doing it after you're interested in that. Again, you know, but it's nice to just give the possibility people to just be very quickly engaged to it. If there's anything you want to take away from this episode, it's this. Creativity is everywhere. Design is everywhere. We are by nature made by design. The space industry continues to push the boundaries through the intersection of space and science, all in part to people like Sarah Poletti. 
We interviewed Sarah in the end of 2021 while she was still working at ESA. She worked at the European Space Agency from 2014 to the end of 2021. And in January 2022, she joined a strategic design agency that works in the public space, helping governments and organizations connect with their citizens. To learn more about what she's doing now, be sure to check out the links in our show notes. Join us for next week's episode as we meet with Valentina De Filippo, a visual designer, illustrator, and creative director based in London. If you'd like to support the show or to learn more about Design Atlas, please visit our website, designatlaspod.com. To get in touch with us, DM us on Instagram or tweet us at designatlaspod, or send us an email at hello at designatlaspod.com. You can also join the Design Atlas Slack community to connect with our show guests and get behind the scenes content and the latest design resources. Link is in the show notes. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on the next episodes. We would really appreciate if you could give us an honest review about the show. Thanks again for listening to Design Atlas. Oh,